after the year 2020, the Spoiler Room crew thought things were going to cool down. But they are just heating up. Cannon fodder. We're in the shit now. Listen in as this elite group of cinema special forces take on an army of cannon group films. What the hell are we watching? I don't know. I can't take my eyes off it. Prepare yourself for urban action. Kung Fu action. Action, action. There will be car chases, ninja, and of course, movie spoilers in Cannon Fodder. Happy Fodder's Day. Are you humming the Cobra theme song? Again? I I am humming. I am humming the Cobra theme song. Yeah. <laughs> this is what it's gonna be like tonight, huh? <laughs> it's gonna be one of those nights, folks. Yes, folks. It is Fodder's Day here in the spoiler room. Happy Fodder Day, Fodder's Day, one and all. It is a Cannon Fodder episode here this evening. Thank you for venturing down the stairs, pulling up a chair, and listening to us ramble about films as we uh continue this year long special very much looking forward it to it this tonight uh ian last month pulled uh, the cannon and i took aim and picked this at random so we're talking about 1986 cobra society is breeding a new kind of criminal it's also breeding a new kind of cop. Meet Cobra. He does the job nobody wants. Did you use unnecessary deadly force? I used everything I had. Do you know you have an attitude problem? Yeah, but it's just a little one. You think you would recognize me if you saw him again? The tall one? Yeah. The one that wants to kill you. Do what you have to do to get a lead on this maniac. And if I find him? Do what you do best. strong arm of the law. Now, 1986 Cobra is, yes, a canon film group, a canon group film, excuse me. Uh, Just uh, so excited tonight to talk about this film. (laughs) And with me, I've got a great crew assembled here uh, this evening. Uh, They've put on their leather and their shiny sunglasses to join us tonight. And first off, back in the spoiler room with us. She hasn't been with us for a while, but she is back. It is the one and only multi-talented Angelique Bone. Hello, Angelique. How are you? 
I am wonderful. I am so happy to talk Sly Rocky Rambo with you guys. Yeah, Sly Rocky Rambo. I love it. I love it. That's exactly where my thoughts about the the movie. And yeah, we'll definitely get into that. And uh, next to Angelique is uh, the right hand man, my uh, pretty much co host of the spoiler room. So glad to always have him in here with us. Uh, is the one and only multi talented Ian Simmons. Hello, Ian. I love the glasses. That's great. Thanks. I don't have any aviator shades that have no. the perfect sun uh, horizon reflection in them as if they were painted by Drew Struzan himself. But, you know, this this will do. Man, Cobra had sunglasses that even had uh, Horatio Kane going, I need me a pair of those. Yeah! <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do this. I got to take these off. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> Suddenly, there, there are a few. There are a few men who can wear the sunglasses at night, and, and yeah. Cobra Cobretti is one of them. Co- Cobra Cobretti at, at at night or in a uh, a convenience store with all the power out. He still, <laughs> I guess, he had like actual snake like eyes uh, abilities or something because that was amazing. <laughs> something like that. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> That could be the tagline for this movie. <laughs> something like that. Something I don't like know. That, I don't know. Cobra. Something like that. I don't know. And yeah, it, I don't hear. <laughs> this this is also kicking off our I am the law month here. Um to where uh we're look gonna be looking at Sly Stallone cop films the rest of this month. Uh but tonight we are talking about one of the ultimate cop action films from 1986 and miss angelique it has been a while since you've been here so you get the wonderful honor of giving the synopsis of cobra can you do it in 10 seconds go no just kidding sure (laughs) uh officer cobra cobretti he's a member of the zombie squad which is the final line when they can't catch a perp they send out sly rocky rambo and he eliminates them with extreme prejudice and he is on the tail of the night slasher and ends up getting entangled with Brigitte Nielsen. Cause you know, all cops have to sleep with their witnesses. That's a, that's a rule. <laughs> he basically destroys a whole town and ends up fighting the bad guy in a factory that produces nothing but sparks <laughs> and, and flame and flame. Yeah. Cause that's he, what a foundry is. It's a foundry. Uh, there, yeah, yeah. There's, 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 there's bad cops versus worse cops. It's just a perfect movie. <laughs> this movie. Now, it will be no surprise to anyone. This film, out of all the canon group films that I had for voting back in November of 2020, this one got the most votes. I mean, there wasn't <laughs> there wasn't even a it was. I, you know, I got like 20 some people responding, which is, was great response more than I thought. And, and yeah, this one, there wasn't another film even close to it, really. Uh, it had, it had been winning the whole, the whole month I had the voting open. Cobra was, that was, that there was, that was going to be the film that was going to be on the list. There was no question. Um, and you can kind of see why Ian will go with you first. Your initial impression with Cobra? Uh, it's weird. I watched this movie a couple of years ago because mm-hmm. Shout Factory, 
under their Scream Factory banner for some reason, put out a Blu-ray of Cobra. And I got a review copy, and so I watched it and wrote about it. So I'd never seen it before. Um, I think I was too young to watch it when I was actually on cable or whatever. Watching it this afternoon, I had forgotten most of it. I had no <laughs> recollection of it aside from the damn poster, which is an iconic poster of you know Sly with the glasses and the black shirt and that cool gun that looked the laser sight but it looks almost like a little mini flamethrower or something um so i don't know it's such a a weird movie i feel like i'm always on the verge of really enjoying it but it's so strangely edited and brigitte nielsen and sly stallone have like cobra and his partner his police partner have more chemistry (laughs) in this movie (laughs) From the actual Cobra and love interest here. Um, it's just not, it's, it's almost weird enough to be cool, but it's, uh, it's just kind of strange. Um, I don't understand half of what I was watching. I love that Brian Thompson played the lead, you know, anarchist street gang member. I love the Reagan era politics uh, about like criminals and everyone's just kind of like this faceless anarchist, you know, junkie fiend. Uh Yeah. Oh, it it felt like a vehicle for Stallone that was possibly going to be a franchise that never quite went anywhere. Um, I have thoughts. I I still can't process Cobra, even though I've seen it twice. I I don't understand it. Oh, we'll be we'll be digging into some of that soon. (laughs) Yeah, I'm hoping this will be like a therapy session. Like you guys are going to be. It's like a guided meditation of under unpacking the awesomeness of Cobra. We'll we'll get you there. We'll get you there. Yeah, movies so many more than twice. (laughs) <laughs> maybe that's it i gotta i gotta give it another 15 tries and then i'll be uh through the through the gateway so so go for it angelique uh your first impression and, and how do you feel initially about cobra well i think especially right now with all these true crime documentaries coming out you know they just had the uh the big night stalker thing on netflix and if you listen to the very first part of the movie, it, they're basically talking about Richard Ramirez. Mm-hmm. So this was like a wet dream of stopping real bad crime combined with people who dance around with axes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is. It, it's uh, <laughs> it's really interesting seeing this film and, you know, I don't know. I, I I love this film so much because it is batshit crazy, which it is. Um, it this is like a Cliff's Notes for any '80s action film until Die Hard came along. Um, mm. If yeah. it, if you've watched '80s action films, either the B movie stuff, the other stuff that Canon had to offer, or even the wide release stuff, because this was wide release. This was put out by Warner Brothers, even though it was produced by Golan and uh, uh, Globus. Uh, it was distributed by Warner Brothers, so they had a big name in here and on a big distributor. Uh, so this was a wide release film. But even if you look at the wide release action films. All those crazy batshit elements get thrown into this film and blended up. I mean, there's all these tropes, like you mentioned, the 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 crazy, the one note villain. He's he's just crazy. He's mm-hmm. he's got his cult. Uh, you could take a shot and do a drinking game of every time they mention New World because mid eighties, <laughs> the whole New World Order was. Um, 
was on the rise. That phrase was on the rise. You know, the new wave uh, uh, stuff as well. <laughs> so, I mean, but I think that's why I enjoyed it, even as a kid and watching it now again. Uh, it's been a while since I watched it. But my memories came flooding back the minute I saw the opening. The opening of this film is a guy on a motorcycle who you think might be Cobra because the movie's titled Cobra. And we get the shot and set up like this is kind of the hero silhouette in between shots of people with axes banging their axes in some basement somewhere. And you think, oh, okay, guy on a motorcycle is our hero. Oh, look at how badass he is. He parked in the handicap zone, which was another gimmick in the 80s of parking in the handicap zones. But it's not. I I love how this movie opened. But when I saw the axes clack together and that, that logo on the concrete, I, the whole memories of, of teenage Mark came flooding back. Well, 11-year-old Mark just flooded. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> now, now don't get me wrong i'm not saying it's a great movie this film though i really think it sets out to do what it wanted to do which was just be an action film <laughs> basically i mean angelique you're, you're right about being uh, a rocky rambo sly in this and even I would say hints of Judge Dredd, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, absolutely. This is this is where Judge Dredd came from. You know, <laughs> that whole just nonchalant, you know, I am the law, you know, that just oozes from Cobretti. You know, my word is final, and if that word happens to be a bullet through your sternum, then so be it. Guilty as charged. <laughs> And we will be talking about Judge Dredd later in this month, by the way, folks. But I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, well, Ian, you've seen Judge Dredd, the Sly Sloan one, right? Or not? Uh, I have seen parts of it. So that's oh, going to be, okay. it's going to be pretty much a first time watch for me. I read, I read a bunch of the okay. comics. Yeah. Okay. Well, you read, you were familiar with the comics though, because. Mm -hmm. Oh, the Carl Urban movie. Yeah. Right. The, and the Carl yeah, Urban yeah. movie. But, uh. What I found interesting watching this is I was waiting for him to say, I am the law. He says just about every other lie that he eventually carries over into Judge Dredd. You know, you get um, the reporter because this whole opening sequence, you think it's Cobra. It's not. It's this crazy cultist guy who, Ian, what was he shooting at? He seemed to have a problem with watermelon and... <laughs> And commercialism. And he was shooting not people, but product. Well, and you know what? He had no shortage of targets. I mean, because this movie is brought to you by Pepsi, Coors, Miller Lite, <laughs> Sunkist, and Coke, uh, and Coke, and Coke. Yes. yeah, but mostly Pepsi. Mostly Pepsi. Uh, yes, there and is. And what's that? Ketchup. Oh yeah. Well, that that was. Are you saying that was the blood? I think that's being used for all the murder victims. Um, but no, the one the one thing that I thought was great. Uh, okay, three things I thought were great. One, the guy who played the crazy psychopath. Uh, I don't remember the actor's name, but he would later pop up in The Crow as the mm -hmm. asshole police lieutenant who was giving Ernie Hudson a hard time. Yep. Um, 
the other thing is you're right he had ter- he had stormtrooper aim i mean he was like shooting at shopping carts and you'd see a big explosion of red is like oh my god was someone behind that cart no it's just like it was like a watermelon for some reason um but the other thing is they had a giant pepsi display that i i First time I saw this a couple of years ago, I was like, I got to go on eBay and I forgot. So I'm going to do that tomorrow, probably go on eBay Mm -hmm. and see if I can find a working one of these Pepsi displays. It's a giant Pepsi can that appears to be actively pouring soda into something. It's like an (laughs) animatronic piece of genius that I'm, I'm wrapped up in that, you know, forget the hostage situation. I want to know, I want to know more about this Pepsi can. I was thinking that too. (laughs) Yeah. It's amazing. There's nothing to compare to it today. So the, for that reason, A plus on Cobra. <laughs> the the product placement was strong with this, but you know, uh, we talked about it last month. Uh, the Apple was uh, Canon Group's intro. You know, uh, that was uh, Galan and uh, you know Globus uh, trying to get into the American market. They've had six years now and many films to get into it so they've kind of refined their craft and the product placement is huge in this movie yeah the cores was great i mean he was the epitome of it's like we should call in cobra because you got all these cops and the crazy guy lets one hostage go kind of until he shoots him but he's got like a wraparound bullet because he shoots the guy as he's running away, but the guy falls like he was shot and left into a tree. <laughs> it was it was the well, he, yeah he he whipped the bullet like in that movie Wanted. Yeah, I think he was actually he actually trained with Angelina Jolie in that uh, <laughs> that secret society of like loom weavers. <laughs> that was the missing backstory of Cobra. He got him twice. He got him in the back, and the guy turned around, and then he shot him again in the chest, and that's what popped him into the tree. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, I mean, it's still the way he flew sideways, it was a little too right angly for me. I'm like, it might yeah, have been. We're the best stunt guys, okay? <laughs> <laughs> stunt. You're spending too much on Pepsi. <laughs> stunt guys. Pepsi didn't, Pepsi didn't pay enough for, for real stunt guys, so. <laughs> Ooh, New World Order, choice of a new generation. Are we there coming up go. with a theme here? Oh, oh there yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's the advertisement Illuminati, everybody. Um, oh, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, just, I love a good grocery store mayhem scene. That gets me every time. Yeah, it, it was... <laughs> It was cool. I was expecting him to do something more with the old guy in the wheelchair because he just kind of comes up behind him. And uh, I, I thought maybe he'd like take that match out of his mouth and like strike it on the old bald man's head or something. But no, he just keeps chewing it. Uh, yeah, it's it's great because, as I mentioned, this might have been before we were on air or just afterwards, but he's wearing these huge dark sunglasses, which look awesome. When he comes out of the car, he's got the all black. He's chewing the matchstick. His car is amazing. He's got these shades on. But then when he goes into the grocery store, the power is out. You can't see anything in there. And yet he's like doing stealth moves around, you know, aisles of product placement and like completely eyeballing this perp. I like, how does that even work? I mean, the guy's good. I get that, but yeah, superpowers. <laughs> Pop sunglasses. 
Yeah. See, the sunglasses actually have like an infrared display or a night vision display on the inside that we can't see, like the Terminator. Yeah, they cut out those scenes. <laughs> <laughs> Among other scenes, because apparently they wanted to go a hell of a lot more gory, and they they cut a bunch out. Apparently, there was a work print for a while or a rough X-rated cut. That's similar to, uh, you know, the excessive gore in RoboCop, which I've got that Criterion collection. It's a beautiful, uh, the extra gore adds so much to those scenes. Uh, but apparently this was supposed to be a lot bloodier and gorier and they cut it down. There's like 15, 20 minutes they cut out of this thing. To That's a lot of gore. Um, you said you had the, the blue, Blu-ray release, Ian. Does it have any of those deleted scenes on it? I don't know. I haven't really dove into it. I just kind of watched the movie and and wrote about the movie itself. <laughs> it was a little. It was a little too weird for him. He's like, I, I'm really not sure what I watched. But now, you know, talking about that, I got to go see if and that's on. It is upstairs. Unfortunately, I brought it back upstairs. Oh. But uh, now I'll check and see if they have any of that cut footage. It's probably on YouTube. I would imagine you can look it up. If not. Um, but I mean, that sounds because even with RoboCop, you're talking about maybe a couple of minutes worth of, you know, footage, um, but 15 to 20 minutes. I mean, that's like an entire subplot. Well, well, there there was also, uh, bodies and, and bodies and lingerie and, and other things added, but yeah, apparently there was 15 or 20 minutes cut from this film to get it away from the x rating um, is it is it more is it extended footage from that bizarre sex robot music video because <laughs> i don't need to see that oh the montage yeah that's how we get introduced to brigitte uh nielsen's uh a uh, character who couldn't couldn't make up her mind if she was from another country or or not maybe it was me but her her accent seemed to slip in and out like she, you know do an accent for this scene no no we don't need you to do an accent now it it was it was odd yeah she was from whatever country uh wanda maximoff came from i'm pretty sure <laughs> but, uh, no i well the, the thing that struck me about her is like when we first see her i think is when she's driving in that van in the parking garage yep and we cut between that and her on the set of this music video photo shoot where she looks more like the Rocky four Brigitte Nielsen. I'm like, is this like a Clark Kent secret identity thing? Because I don't see what the connection is. Even after she's done and she walks out into the parking garage with the creepy, you know, David Raish. I'm like, that's still, that's the same person. How do you get your hair from that slick back, you know, bleached blonde type of thing to that almost redheaded bad perm. I know nothing about hair. Angelique might be able to help with that because, you know, she changes her identity all the time when she goes on her superhero vigilante raids. So (laughs) that was a lot of good wig work. Yeah, (laughs) it was. It was good wig work. (laughs) So but here's my question. Which is the real hair? Is it the platinum blonde updo thing or is it the the bad redheaded perm? At this point, it was the bad redhead. Yeah, because that was the wig. Okay. No, that was no, her that real was hair. Her real, oh, hair. That was her real hair. Okay. Because she had the short hair. That was her signature short hair. Because later on, uh, she would go on to do Beverly Hills Cop 2, and she had the short blonde hair, which sliced alone originally was tied to Beverly Hills Cop 2. Now, put your head around that one. <laughs> 
Wait, was he going to play Axel Foley? I... <laughs> no, I think it was going to be in the he was going to be in the film initially, though. Uh, but apparently, yeah. But getting back to this, yeah, the red short red haired. Yeah, we get we get an eighties montage because while she's doing that, the the police detective and his lieutenant or whatever who's against Cobra, you know, because Cobra doesn't play it straight. He he's yeah. the rogue guy. Um, and he didn't like Cobra's methods. Um, they finally send these two guys out to go into the vice, basically the underworld to try to track down the night stalker killers who at 20 minutes into the film have killed 17 people already. <laughs> yeah. I, I do love that. Like they've they, uh, on victim 16, they find, <laughs> and then there's like one of 19 clashes that Cobretti has with these two cops. And Andy Robinson is like, you know, you don't play by the rules, Cobra. No, <laughs> no one needs you. We don't want to you have this zombie creep hanging around. And then like two hours later, they come up with the 17th victim. I was like, okay, I guess I got to bring in. Cobra. <laughs> well not only that i mean you know we we talked about this opening they crammed more one-liners into that opening 10 minutes of this film than you get in most action like franchises i mean so and then he just keeps dropping them throughout the whole you know his arguments with the captain you know he him talking to his buddy it's just like one-liner (laughs) one-liner you know for all the one-liners not you know you're the disease i'm the cure this is where the law stops and i start they're all awesome but for me it's his first real badass line that i think tops them all mm. it's when the maniac is in the grocery store and he's like i'm gonna blow up this entire place yes. man and he goes go ahead i don't shop here I don't shop. <laughs> that floors me every time i hear it because that that's like one of those one-liners where you're just like okay that one i didn't see coming at all that one <laughs> that right there sums up the movie <laughs> <laughs> it does well i mean cobra look i i get that this is a, a crime action maybe horror uh, that they're trying to go with for it. Um, But at no time do you really feel like Cobra's in actual danger. He is pretty much a superhero in this movie. I think that's, you know, that's what I wanted to see more of because there are entire stretches of this thing where I'm just kind of bored Mm. because he, you know, there's quiet moments there's uh, him just like going back to his apartment and it's kind of cute because he breaks out the pizza and eggs. And <laughs> that seems weird until he bites off the corner of the pizza and then the egg carton contains his gun cleaning materials. I want I want that all the time. I want that weirdness amped up because honestly, this thing is uh, an hour and 27 minutes long. There's probably 25 minutes of just fat that I would have trimmed out because it didn't quite get crazy enough for me to be like, yeah, I, w- I would watch this movie all the time. Yeah, and it, it's got enough crazy elements to me, but I, I do see those longer moments. And Angelique, what do you think of that, too? Did you get the feeling like they were trying to play up him to be more than just the action rogue guy when he says, oh, I'll take the, the drawing and take it back to my own files? And he pulls up his file. I'm like, where are you going to start, dude? White guy. Okay, your book's like... 
<laughs> full of Weird them. cheekbones, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess he had access to APHIS or whatever, you know, going through the fingerprint. But I'm like, you're staring at a fingerprint. You don't have a fingerprint. So... Excuse me. Well, no, that's 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 the right hand lens on his sunglasses. He can he can scan fingerprints. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. What I loved was his harping about a healthy eating for the whole movie. Yes. So you, you finished him taking the pizza out, and he uses the scissors to cut the tip off of his pizza, throws the rest of the slice back in the box, and just eats the dainty little tip of the pizza slice. And his Garcia, his buddy, is like, you know, eating cake. And he's like, all the sugar making you violent. I'm like, dude, you just shot somebody. (laughs) Yeah, his buddy, his buddy is the one who's violent. Uh, Although I did like the chemistry between him and his buddy. I actually wanted more of that. I liked, I liked the partnership between those, the banter, like when the, when they beat in the, uh, before you get the robotic sex montage with the, here's the homeless of LA um, scene. Uh, you get just before that, when the captain of that asks the zombie squad to go do their thing and they drive away and it's just him and his partner. And they have that wonderful banter about the eating sugars back and forth as they're getting into their cars. I loved that bit. You know, I, I loved the banter between him and his buddy, like every one of those scenes where it's just those two guys riffing off each other. Yeah. I, I, uh, that's awesome. I'm like, I want that buddy cop film is what I want. <laughs> yes. I want that buddy cop film too, but also one that explores the almost like Bruce Banner, incredible Hulk struggle that's going on within Cobretti because <laughs> during those moments uh, when they're kind of riffing, yeah, it's still sliced alone, but he's funny, you know, yeah. he's like, you should have that much sugar. But then when he goes <laughs> into Cobra mode against the perps, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> this is where the law stops, and I start <laughs> rip you apart. Like that, I don't, I don't quite. Is it an affect? Is he? Does he have multiple personalities going on there? What's the deal? I love the idea of this unhinged killing machine that also is like this soft philosophical side that comes out only in his like his confidants. When Brigitte, when Brigitte Nielsen towards the end is trying to convince him that they could have a relationship, I'm like, you are not a quick study, lady. Uh, <laughs> he tries to tell her like, yeah. Basically, I've never had a relationship because people can't deal with the fact that I murder folks and might not come home. And she's like, but we can still see each other after this, right? <laughs> <laughs> At one point, he's they're on the bed. He's like, I got to go check the window, you know, to like make sure there's no maniacs about to bust into the place. And she's like, no, stay and make love to me. I'm like, no, maybe check the window first. <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, kill two birds, one stone. Why don't you go to the window with him? <laughs> I'd, I'd turn this movie into like a risky business situation, which I would not be averse to. That could no. be part of the actual 20 well, minutes. I think she would. I mean, she was hit with a robot that had a penis. So I mean. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different kind of Cobra altogether. <laughs> well, well, let's not, uh, you know, Brigitte Nielsen is, is rather tall. Sly Stallone isn't not is not that's why it's like all her scenes are like 
down angles and like they, they aren't sitting in, really sitting in cars yeah <laughs> sitting at a diner table sitting at a diner because if you think about it you're like no she's got at least a head in height on her if they actually stood up she's like constantly leaning and stuff and <laughs> i i felt bad for brigitte nielsen because and, and you know i i definitely want to get uh both your opinions on her character because like angelique there was, a, and it's mid eighties and this shows you the classic weakness of mid eighties and even some of the Canon films. Uh, there's an opportunity here for her to become like a badass, but she never does like, no, she doesn't kick in her red Sonya mode. Um, thank you. Hey, what would you think of the way she was written? Did you, did, did it feel like they kind of wanted to, but they just were afraid to go there or what? Because there were like some opportunities where she could have grabbed a gun and started shooting and shit. And no, she's like, eh. well, I mean, not to stereotype, but she was playing a fashion model. True. So, yeah. And I mean, her name was Ingrid Knudsen. <laughs> or, or how much experience she would have had with a firearm to begin with. I mean, she could drive pretty good. Yeah. Maybe experience on the Autobahn. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think a lot of it was just, you know, <clears throat> the standard, it, it was just sticking with the standard quote, quote, female reaction to psychopath. I mean, she comes across cheekbones in the middle of the street, spooks her. Then she ends up getting chased around a parking garage by yeah. maniac axes. Watches her manager, though he was a scumbag. You know, he still didn't deserve the axe to the chest. I don't think. No, he <laughs> deserved he deserved a sledgehammer. Oh, oh! <laughs> there was a guy with a sledgehammer there. I wanted him. I wanted him to hit him with the sledgehammer to go. <laughs> now there's Meta. Uh, but no, they. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, she played scared very well. I mean, yeah, I, she really could have flipped the badass switch, but I think that would have taken a lot away from Cobra. Yeah, well, then Cobra's show. It, it is Cobra's show. He is the hero. Obviously, this is this is definitely he's the these that's him. He's the savior of the universe. Well, of these two towns anyway, uh, <laughs> like Flash. but I mean, it, still, I know that's her role, but you could see the opportunity. Couldn't you Ian of how they could have handled this character? I mean, it's the eighties and we've seen this trope many times, especially during this time period, but there was opportunity here. I think that they could have given her character something to do. Cause why cast, her in it then you could have cast just about anyone in this role it didn't have to be brigitte yeah well but i mean i i think you're it's two different questions then yeah. it's like is it is it a problem with the casting or is it a problem with the part well it's a little bold from I cast, think, but. well but i mean from a casting yeah. standpoint i think it's kind of genius because at that point you know she was known for being this towering, imposing kind of figure from you know Rocky yeah. Four, from Red Sony and all that. So to play 
the sort of damsel in distress is a different thing. And maybe that was what attracted her to this part. You know, she's like, great, I don't have to wield a sword or like, you know, <laughs> stare anybody down. Um, I can just play a normal person. Um, as far as the part goes, I don't really have a problem with that. I understand that looking back from 2021 right. on everything. It's like, why wasn't this female character more developed? I'm like, well, you know what? It was a different time. Mm. And also, if you had every female character in every movie be a quote unquote strong, empowered, you know, kick ass woman, it would have been just as boring as watching, you know, all these Mm -hmm. beefcake guys, you know, blowing (laughs) stuff up. As Angelique mentioned, it would have contrasted with Cobra. Um, I think it was you know, she was a fashion model, as Angelique pointed out, and she wasn't, you know, particularly stupid. It's not like she was an airhead no. or something like the stereotypical person, but she was someone who had a profession that put her in a vulnerable position, not only vulnerable to a gang of night slashers, but to uh, her sleazeball photographer, which yeah. in that exchange in the parking garage, you know, he was putting the, the really awkward borderline sleazy. I mean, he wasn't coming out and saying it. he was more desperate. It was almost like a Harvey Weinstein kind of a situation where he was sort of pathetic. Uh, uh, but she was, you know, fending him off, you know, politely. And you get the feeling if those ex people hadn't shown up, she would have gotten a little bit not polite. So in that <laughs> regard, I think mm-hmm. she did not get short shrift as far as a character. Right. And from, you know, what she was given, I think she played it pretty well. She does play it well. I mean, you you feel for her character, and yeah, the the whole sledgehammer trying to hammer uh, her sledge, um, just <laughs> <laughs> oh, almost got a spit take. Almost got a spit take. I just got a new Chromebook today because my other one broke, and I almost ruined it again. Mark, sorry, thank you. Sorry, <laughs> son of a. <laughs> but yeah he uh it was funny watching how they wrote him because the way he kept coming up he's like well no i'm just doing this for your career and i'm just thinking in my head i'm like what kind of logic i'm like dude just give it give it up because you're no i'm not asking you to get married we're just gonna have sex and that's gonna further your career and i'm like you're not making a good argument (laughs) Well, it's it is a weird argument too because I was tr- I was trying to follow the logic. It sounded the way he was talking. It's as if he needed her to sleep with him so that his bosses would allow him to promote her. Or something like that. It's like it's just the rules. <laughs> it, did. it was just. It was just awkward. Awkward full court press. I'm- yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and, and, I mean, it was just meant to, so you know he was a sleaze, so you didn't actually feel bad when he got the axe, literally got the axe. <laughs> you know, I was confused because, it, and maybe this is just because I've seen this guy and other stuff, because I like him as an actor, yeah. I like characters he's played, I'm like, oh, cool, he's going to be like the wacky, you know, sidekick guy or something, I'm like, oh no, he's a scumbag, I can't, I can't process this. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you don't get the initial impression when you're doing the whole uh, robots, the the sex robot montage. So, you know, which which was one of three montages we get in this film. You've got to have enough montage to make sure you know you are in a canon movie. (laughs) That's true. Very, 
Very true. It is a signature of Canon Films to have the montage, and we get plenty of them. We get the the robot investigation montage, and then we get the wonderfully famous assemble the gun montage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who puts their gun together like that? I mean, really? <laughs> well, what this movie lacks in gratuitous nudity, it makes up for in you know uh, undressing and redressing of guns. <laughs> He is. You're right. He is constantly disassembling and reassembling his weapons. It's like that. That's his thing. I mean, I guess he likes a clean weapon. Um, who doesn't? Who, who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> I like his clean guns. No. Anyway. Uh, wow. I went there. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it is all about the title character, though. I mean. The side characters barely get explored. They're one note. His, you know, his he's got his captains who don't like him, but then do, but then don't. And we follow <laughs> Cobra. Um, what I thought was hilarious with Cobra is they set him up as this big action guy, and then they try to give him, as we mentioned, kind of this sense, this smart side where he's investigating and checking fingerprints when he doesn't have them and checking photos of random people on his monitors in his you know, in his room in 1986. And I'm just like, what kind of bandwidth you have with those pictures? I'm like, you know, he's got his binders and they got him kind of trying to do all investigation. I'm like, really, really? We just watched this guy blow away like five people. (laughs) It's like, and now you're trying to give him all the, and then you get that as well, where he's supposed to be this rogue yet you see him suddenly follow the rules or whatever. He's in front of the captain and it's like, he really cares. And he's really, and I'm like, what do you want to be Cobra? (laughs) Well, maybe it's because he has got to be somewhat in line in front of the captain. Otherwise he gets stripped of his badge, you know, badger like, cause he, he has just enough leash to, to be effective and to be, to do what he does, but they're not going to let him completely off it. To that point, Mark, or one you just made beforehand <clears throat> about his investigative prowess, I think it would have been fun to see, and maybe this could be a new movie because they're remaking everything, remake Cobra, but have it be like a bloody, gritty action comedy where he's this effective killing machine who wants to be a really good detective. He's just really <laughs> bad at it. <laughs> oh, Oh, I'm sorry. I I meant to put the handcuffs on you, not rip your hands off. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, we, like he gets he gets the fingerprints back to his house. He's actually got the equipment, but he doesn't know how to use it. Now, when you say question the witness, do I shoot? <laughs> yeah. Fing- instead of fingerprints, he actually has skin from the fingers that he's holding up to the light to just, try. To- he just pops them off with a cigar cutter at the first knuckle. <laughs> it's a mess. <laughs> we we welcome our one viewer, uh, Lee, and he's got a great line. Cobra's guns needs to be sterile because he's the cure. See that. <laughs> Bravo, bravo! You, there, there's your reasoning right there. I am the cure. <laughs> no, I think I think you're. Uh, that's a great comment, Lee. And I also think that that you guys are that we are onto something with this Cobra remake. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the fingerprints thing. I, I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and 
what I love about what I loved about this too is later on because they're they're taking her away in witness protection. They don't know who the mole is, though. That's it's how obvious who the mole is, <laughs> right? I mean, the whole time, who was in the hospital with you guys? The chick with the weird eye shadow. Who was on dispatch? The chick with the weird eye shadow. Well, and also, I know nothing about policemen or police work or hierarchy, but yeah, this lady is like the police dispatcher. And then all of a sudden, she's working security detail for witness protection. <laughs> like, what? What? How does that work? She was the only female officer on the force. So it's a female victim. So I guess she had to be there. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but she also said That's that she- I see your face, Ian. I, I know. <laughs> oh, the leaps that I'm making here. Well, no, because for some going back to Mark's point about it being the 80s, I could see <laughs> that's something in the remake. They'll be like, you know, we have a, a female witness uh, in the witness protection program. Oh, we got to get a chick to watch her, right? Who do we have? Uh, the only what? other woman on the force is in Officer dispatch. Stop. Why not? <laughs> really? What? Well, let's not forget that if you're a female character, you will be gawked by some male in the hallway or in the office at some point, no matter who you are. If you're female, you're going to get gawked at because that happens to every single female character. There's not many, but those that are, they get looked at. Uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you get the nurse who gets looked at by the cop who's making time. I over caught there. that. Yeah. I'm like, wow, really? <laughs> <laughs> I was. I, I kept thinking that could be the same hospital as Halloween Two, um, much like at the end in the Foundry. Uh, you know, I was getting serious Terminator Two vibes. I felt like if they had just if the camera had panned up a little bit more, you would have seen Arnold and little Eddie Forlong going like, "I understand now why you cry." <laughs> same, same Foundry five years later. Uh, no. <laughs> well, the time is all screwy, so who knows? No, um, but. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, I don't know. I was going to say something. I don't remember what. Well, I mean, it's just it was just weird when, when you caught that. You know, and the whole thing with with the witness and the cop, you're almost hoping Cobra doesn't, you know. And now they imply they you're not sure that they actually sleep together now, because when you see him again, he's fully clothed and her head is just on his his pecs. So um, Cobra doesn't have to take his clothes off. What? Cobra never takes his clothes off. He just he just uh whips out the cobra. Uh I was gonna say maybe that's why he knew it wasn't gonna work out because she needed someone who wasn't gonna strike that quickly. Oh uh, <laughs> but uh no, because when there that's the other thing about the editing in this movie. When she wakes up and then we see Cobra, I almost thought that I was looking at the uh, the other lady, the the corrupt right. police officer, like in her room, uh, I couldn't. You know, it was so dark, I couldn't tell what was going on. Um, let's talk a little bit about. We mentioned it a bit before the axe dancing. Yes, <laughs> this is another thing I didn't understand. I wanted to get more into that scene instead of have it be like this random piece of a montage that shows up where you've got all these people underground possibly right next door to where they make all those sparks, you know, giant spinning fans, people with axes clanking them together in unison. Some of them are wearing business suits, which I guess is to indicate, yeah, you've got people in high government who are also hanging out with like meth addicts and anarchists to overthrow the system. I want to know all of their stories. 
I did like Art the accountant banging his axes together. <laughs> you know, I've seen this movie many times. I never paid attention. I'm watching. I'm watching. Yes, I watched it very old school. I watched my Hollywood oh, video. Wow. VHS copy right here, baby. That's how I watched Cobra because uh, I wasn't going to pay three bucks for Amazon. Screw that. I I dug through my 400 some VHS. I'm like, I know I've got it. And oh, sure as shit, I did. <laughs> but I watched it. But even to me, the first time I'm like, who's the business guy? You got you got guys in leather and that and you got the business guy holding up the axe and they're banging it. And you're right. This is an evil lair. This is an evil lair with minions. Cobra never gets to the evil lair with minions. This is in some random place. <laughs> well, it's it's sort of like you, you got to believe that it's like a Dark Knight Rises situation where all of the cops go down into the sewers. The entire Gotham City PD goes into the sewers to chase this one maniac. You kind of have to believe that in Cobra, the entire underground Los Angeles criminal meth head anarchist network goes to this podunk town to take out one lady why are they so interested in brigitte nielsen they obviously don't care about anything so who cares if she can identify any of them also you've got the undercover cop lady who is a killer we've established that why can't she just kill brigitte nielsen why does she have to call for backup because the psycho cheekbones dude is the one that that will kill her yeah remember the intimate conversation that uh the mole had with crazy guy she she's mine and then he cuts his finger and that's how cobra eventually gets the fingerprint no uh she (laughs) (laughs) oh he cuts his finger who was in charge Mm -hmm. because like he must have been the brains of the operation and he was the cheekbones but this you know these anarchists seem to be operating uh, with a hierarchical structure that you don't typically see in anarchists but they're not anarchists they're the new world order yeah that, that that's yeah but they want to tear down the existing order to make room for a no, new order that their order's better yeah they've, they order. they just but, want to kill the weak they don't want to kill everybody and take out they just that's want to not true either because cheekbones says to cabretti do you want to go to hell with me that's not a guy who's sticking around to like set up voting you know structures <laughs> I think it's I think it's less of a governmental new world order than it is like a like a Manson esque kind of well weirdo. It it's it's totally. never yeah it's never really it's never really sorry didn't mean to cut you off there Angela no, but no. It, but it's never really established but they play a little bit with the theme of hunter and prey type of thing so it's not more of a government structure it's a a, a natural balance type thing again if you're a hunter and you're out in the woods and you see the deer you don't go okay i've got to go back and get the other hunters <laughs> so that they can come back to this spot and we're going to get this they deer. as a pack they hunt as a pack remember because when the the waitress lady gets offed they're all in a van together that's true right and- okay I, I i get that but in this case she went undercover as a lone wolf. Yeah. And she found the deer. At which point I I understand what you're saying. <laughs> I get it. I really do. I just don't understand. I want I want a whole documentary about this underground system and how it works. <laughs> like, 
it, you, they would probably would have explored it in the sequel. Who knows? Because uh, I think I think you're you're digging too deep. You're supposed to watch the five action pieces that are in here, which are wonderful. Uh, Look, that car chase was amazing when they're going up and down the hills and like parts oh, of the yeah. car bouncing off and. Oh. Oh my God. I, and help me out here. I also don't know anything about automobiles, but in the climactic scene where Brigitte Nielsen is, I'm sorry, Ingrid, Roberto is her character. Uh, she's driving the pickup truck. Cobretti is in the back machine gunning or whatever out the bad guys who are on motorcycles. He's standing upright. I never saw him get into a leg harness or anything. He's not <laughs> bouncing around. They're going like 80 miles an hour. How does that work? His legs are short yeah gravity <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean if, low enough that he could just ride it like a surfboard <laughs> sorry sly if you're listening no disrespect <laughs> i mean if it was brigitte she would have fallen over like you know a, a, a you know uh she would have fallen over like a, a top heavy type of you know stilts walker but yeah he's got shorter legs so you know he lowers lowers center of gravity so like a cobra like a cobra um, see wow <laughs> <laughs> now you're starting to see it Ian. see you're starting to, what see. i loved was the nitrous in his oh awesome yes okay. you know that was that car that, i was very sad that was the sad part of the movie for me when his car got destroyed i loved his car i mean and that car chase scene was fantastic and if one thing you've gotta give canon group films props for regardless of how ridiculous their films are like this and some of the others that we're going to look at this year their action sequences some of their action sequences are just top-notch like rival bigger hollywood stuff you know and, and this was big hollywood but i mean even bigger you know action scenes that that car chase scene which is an extended car chase scene it's not like it's a short at all that goes on for a while he does that maneuver where he spins the car around it's driving it backwards and shooting at the guy then he spins it around again and then the nitrous and then i realized i'm like huh cobretti maybe he's actually you know uh, uh, Vin Diesel's relative. So, because you had the nitrous, you got the car. He's a badass. Fast and Furious links the whole time. Good. I'm not the only one. <laughs> Toretto Cobretti. Ah, uh, there's a connection there somewhere. It's his uncle. Uh, maybe. <laughs> dude. Dude. Could Sly Stallone show up in a new Fast and the Furious? <laughs> I would I would pay to see that. What was that comment? I missed it. Oh, uh, he just uh, our good friend Lee is mentioning a uh, person we know, John Pata, filmmaker, help us make a documentary about Cheekbones New World. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they should do it like do it all found footage, like documentary, like we're going to investigate. See an interview with Cling Cling. That's how you get your cuts if you can't cut anything too well you just go back and that's what i think what they did in this film they're like oh we need it we forgot to fill some coverage well we'll just go back to the cling cling scene okay just insert that here at any point because we forgot to get some coverage footage uh <laughs> if, if if john potta does um make a documentary about cobra or the new world i bet he will explain that whole pickup truck problem the way sly was be able to anchor himself was because of all the <laughs> dead weight oh sorry oh. inside joke mm. 
Well, and that was a deep cut by Ian Simmons. I tried. Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, you gotta, uh, Ian. Did you you did enjoy the action sequences though in here, didn't you? Though I mean, how the way they're they're handled. I you know I enjoyed the, the anything involving a vehicle. I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I thought the um, you know the hand to hand fighting scenes again. It was a little too choppily mm-hmm. edited and, and you know a bit too nuts if that makes sense i but the car stuff was was brilliant i mean talking about how canon was able to do this in you know the mid 80s without any cgi that scene where the car and i don't know no cars either what make cobretti's car was but it looked like something you know a really old one right yeah um, yes lee said the title of that documentary would be i want your, your eyes pig. pig yes beautiful <laughs> that's you should copyright that here on the stream. Um, but no, th- that car doing that swinging around maneuver with the shooting, I'm pretty sure we saw that in Sin City in 2005. Mm-hmm. But that was done in CGI on a soundstage. This thing was done like on a cleared highway with professional stunt drivers and people shooting, you know, guns, I assume with blanks. Although knowing, you know, Golem Globus, they might have actually used live. live- <laughs> <laughs> you never it's it's like, it's don't don't aim too good. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it it is amazing uh, to see that stuff. I also love that the, our introduction to the car. You, you see it pull up to that grocery store, and a close up of the license plate says "Awesome 50. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. On. I mean, it's it's plates by one in my life. One is yes. that, and one is too macabre. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad you mentioned. I, I'm glad I'm not the only one, Angelique, because watching Cobra in general, the way he talks, the way he presents himself, the fact that he loves his car, everything. I'm just like, this is screaming a connection to Fast and Furious. I want to do. I'm like, okay, and then we jump to Judge Dredd, and then I'm like, I'm coming up with this family timeline with linking cobra to toretto to judge dread okay we can do it okay so what happens is cobretti takes out most of the new world order gang yes they go underground for decades Eventually, they rise up and they they overwhelm the forces of Dominic Toretto and his street racing, you know, world espionage boiling gang in Fast and the Furious 10 uh, ends with the world being taken over by these freaks cut to the futuristic world of Judge Dredd because they've nu- <laughs> they've annihilated the entire planet, thus giving rise to a new form of extreme justice. Nice. I like this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where does Demolition Man play in on this timeline? Because we have to also... Oh, well, the Demolition Man is uh, set just before the nuclear holocaust. Yes. But not before they outlaw product placement. Because <laughs> Taco Bell was pretty influential there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cobra, Cobra, you know, I just loved that big Pepsi. I mean, if there was ever an example of blatant product placement since Transformers had a Mountain Dew soda machine turn into a robot before that. You had the big ass Pepsi side outside of Cobra's apartment. Now, like what an I- episode of Seinfeld with the Kenny Rogers roasters. <laughs> I was like, how does he sleep? The neon glow of Pepsi infuses his every waking moment. Trick question Cobra never sleeps. That's true. He, <laughs> yeah. But here, help me. Okay, here's the thing. 
that sign, we established Cobra's apartment, I think, during the day. Yeah. And then later on, when he gets attacked during the whole hospital thing, that's when we see it at night with the whole Pepsi thing. So I would have to go back and watch this again to see if you can see any part of the Pepsi sign during the day or if it was just like just out of the frame. Yeah, yeah but, no, you, when it looks through his windows out on yeah. the balcony, you see it there. Okay, I'll have, to, yeah. I'll have to go check that out again because that, that is amazing. And I wonder, was that erected for this movie or did they just happen to find that apartment and be like, we must shoot here? It. I wouldn't doubt that they probably just found that location. I mean... Yeah. They were really careful not to break any of that neon during the fight scene. Yes, they were very careful with not breaking the neon. They fought <laughs> around it, you know. <laughs> The guys with the masks who cared about the masks and, and then didn't. Uh, we had a comment here from Kenneth Baker that he says, Cobra is an underrated 80s movie, low-key a horror movie, too. Uh, it, yes, absolutely. I, I fully agree with that, that there are horror elements in here. It really wants to be. That's why I'm curious about this, that I looked it up, this X-rated cut, because I'm like, from what everything that it sounds like that was cut out, that gives it that horror element, that thriller horror action film um, and there is something um in the, just before that showdown mm -hmm. uh, in that small town as cobretti and ingrid are leaving their motel room that the score gets really bizarre and at first i thought it was police sirens right but it sounds like two overlapping tracks of police sirens that are just off sync from each other but no that's the score and that creates a really unsettling kind of a horror uh, sound and I haven't heard that anywhere else. Now I'm not up, up on my horror scores as I probably should be, but I feel like that would be effective for people to use <laughs> today because it's and it goes it it plays out throughout that that whole climactic sequence, really adding to that that edge of the intensity and kind of washing over some of the ridiculousness, like Cobretti standing perfectly straight up. I don't care how short you are. I'm sorry that doesn't. <laughs> Well, and there's that horrible editing, too, with it, which I, I mean, I love this film, but the bad editing of you realize, oh, wait, there's motorcycle guys in front of them now. We never actually saw those car initially, the motorcycles get up in front. All of a sudden, he just starts shooting sideways. And then you realize, oh, he's shooting motorcycle guys sideways because <laughs> the one scene when he first shoots sideways, you don't see it. So you're just like. Why is he shooting? Is he shooting cows or something? What the hell? Is he well, he was shooting slightly off to the side so he could make sure the bullet arced correctly <laughs> sideways. It's a callback to that grocery store scene. Ah, the beginning. that's right. That's right. Uh, our our good uh, friend Lee mentioned that, yes, Cobra's car is a 950 Mercury, which, uh, yeah, I mean, people talk about iconic cars. I think people need to talk about this one because it was a character in itself. I mean, yeah. Yep. You, this you, one and the, the uncle's car and Phantasm. Mm -hmm. Two of the most iconic cars ever. Yeah, and, and people don't, I think, talk about them that much. And Lee also said that Dredd is obviously Cobra's great nephew, which, yeah, yeah, I could. I, <laughs> <laughs> we need to make like a, a Cobretti family tree. <laughs> we do. We we need to we need to make up a Cobretti family tree. Uh, oh, I got some I can make it happen. We 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 could probably get it in there. I mean, let's not forget about you know Cobretti's brother who does arm wrestling while driving a truck. Uh, you know, so <laughs> All right, that's just that's a little bit too over the top. Sorry. Oh, nice nice dad joke there. Uh, 
<laughs> oh, and Lee. Hey, I'll, I'll meet you halfway. Okay. Sorry. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, Lee also said that uh, he snuck out of work early for the first time ever to go see Cobra with his friend, that he stands by his posi- p- decision, and we don't blame you at all. Uh, oh, I stand by that decision. I, I do. <laughs> I stand by that position. You can see the horror elements, the way they set up this bad guy. He he is totally a horror action bad guy. I mean, you, you know, the way just how crazy he is, his motivation for going after, uh, you know, uh, we keep calling we're doing the Kevin Bacon syndrome again, where we're calling her by, you know, Brigitte Nielsen's uh, character, Ingrid. Um, if you don't think about it too hard, it's fine. But you realize, you know, if you had just been wearing your nylon over your face like you had most of the movie she would have not known your face but that one time in the alley you guys choose not to kill someone with your masks (laughs) yet later on when you go after her you put on your masks like she's not gonna know who is chasing her (laughs) so are you saying wear a mask save lives Yo. Oh, right. I'm just I'm trying to, I'm trying to yeah. way to bring it back around from 86 to 2021. Nice one, Ian. Oh, and Lee, Lee corrected it. It's 1950 Merc, which in any case, badass car. I, I awesome love 50. That makes sense. Yeah. The license plate, which is also great because you would think a character like Cobra, he would be on a motorcycle. So the fact that he's in this badass car is also cool. I like that angle because especially with the 80s, you would expect him to be on a motorcycle like Harley or something, you know, but no, he's in this badass car with nitrous that would make, uh, you know, Toretto go, this is a nice car. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you must be family. Um, but no, <laughs> everybody's family to Dominic. Toretto. Everybody's family to Dominic, but you know, this is fun though. This is, but this is one of those classic, and it's the I can see why this one got the most votes for our canon group films because it is embodies pretty much everything that was iconic, uh, you know, iconic uh, uh, canon for their action films. You've got it all in here, <laughs> you know, and I think I think to me that's why it it is one of the most popular Canon group films. Angelique, what about you? Do you, you think that's maybe it is, this just has everything you look for out of their group, out of their films. Yeah. I mean, it's, you've got this perfect balance between it could have gone way too comic with the one-liners mm-hmm. or it could have gone way over the top with all the action. They just, they, they made a perfect mix in yeah. this one. Uh, they did and it, it's one of their bigger budgeted films uh even though it was disappointing for them because Sly Stallone had just come off of his popularity of Rocky 4 uh you know and he had Rambo I think it was Rambo 2 was before that so you know he was on a roll and then he's in this film but it still ended up being grossing 12.6 million dollars its opening weekend in 1986 which was the largest opening weekend in the history of Warner Brothers and Cannon Group at that time was 12 mil. We're talking the 80s, Ian. Remember when if it hit 100 million, it was like, oh, my God. Um, uh, apparently, the opening weekend was the second biggest for any film in 1986, trailing only Star Trek for the Voyage Home. Hey-oh. Oh, <laughs> 
wow the 80s man were weird you know <laughs> God bless oh and also another little interesting tidbit of trivia you know how we were talking about the music before uh ian uh before we started uh, going live here about mm-hmm. how it sounded like you know stan bush well stan bush the touch was originally written for this film what According, according to IMDb trivia, take it for what it's worth. According to trivia, Stan Bush song, You've Got the Touch. I was about to say, is it that one? Is it the, the Yes. The, You've got no. the power. I, I've got I have I gotta call bullshit. I, I think I'm IMDP IMDP IMDB trivia. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna pee on this IMDB trivia. By here. all means. I heard it from Stan Bush himself mm. via a documentary uh, that I saw with the big screen re-release of Transformers the movie from a couple years ago for the anniversary. He was talking about the inspiration from the touch. Had nothing to do with Cobra. It was written for Transformers the movie, but it was inspired by Iron Eagle. Oh, look at that. That Chappie's speech to Doug in the cockpit after Chappie allegedly got killed. He says... God doesn't give people things he doesn't want him to use. And he gave you the touch. And Stan Bush watching that was like, I've got the touch. and I got to share it with everybody. <laughs> and Ian got the touch because he loves Iron Eagle. <laughs> I listen to Chappie's speech at least once a week. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's why we love you, Ian. <laughs> And I followed up with uh, with Stan Bush. Anyway, yeah, I got I, one of the no, highlights of my life was meeting Stan Bush at Comic Con back in like 2004. Nice. Well, no, I nearly, I, I nearly shoot pants. I am all for shooting down trivia uh, on IMDP, which that is going to be the new way I call it now, IMDP, because <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of piss on the IMDb. Uh, <laughs> Lee also asked, uh, where does Ray Tango fit in with the line of the lineage here of this? And and Ray Tango, uh, you know, maybe he's a cousin, possibly, mm. you know, uh, you know, because he, he, he t- peers up with cash like 10 years after this film or not quite 10 years. Uh, but, but Ray Tango was the... I haven't seen Tango Cash in years. Wasn't he the more bookish one? He was, though. He was the bookish one. Well, alone in glasses. That's how you know he was smart. Well, there's a um, black sheep in every family. So maybe he was the, you know, <laughs> Ray Tango was the odd duck of the action cop family. You need, you need like a, a double impact Jean Claude Van Damme style movie <laughs> where you've got Cabretti oh and then God. Tango Hangover. teaming up. Yeah. He, he's oh the brain. God. He's the brain. Oh my God! You're got power to make this happen, dear please. Lord, Ian. This, this is just a beautiful thing. You just I, I think, need this movie. I, I think <laughs> I'm getting a little weepy now. Cobra Tango. Oh, yeah. It oh. even sounds like a military call sign. It, it does, doesn't it? The, the Cobra Tango. Oh my God. We need Break to make one is Cobra Tango. <laughs> And and there you go, Ian. You are not alone. Uh, <laughs> Iron Eagle in the house. Thank you, Lee. There you go. Oh, man. We've come up with so many ideas now. We just got to get Sylvester Stallone on the line, uh, <laughs> which I did try. I, 
for shits and giggles, I threw it out there. Uh, never heard back. That's fine. I, you know, the month is not over. The month is not over, but I did throw it out there to ask if uh, he wouldn't mind talking about this in his other law enforcement films, which he's done quite well, a we bit. Can't get his brother. <laughs> we could get his brother. Talk about Hudson <laughs> Hawk. There you go. Uh, hey, Mark, Mark, I sense a little bit of defeat in your voice. Uh, no, no, it's, no, no. Well, it's about time that I, I give you a little boost mm-hmm. with some more Stan Bush lyrics from the song Dare. Oh, no. Which is also on the Transformers the music, Transformers the movie I, soundtrack. I, 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 Dare to keep all your dreams alive. alive. Yes. <laughs> you got to take a stand. You can live if you dare. Dare. You win if you dare, Mark. Win, Come on. Excuse me. Know you anymore? I know. I you know it's it's late. Cobretti and Tango, long lost twins. I'm liking this. I'm loving this brainstorming session we've gotten here tonight, folks. Copyright. I don't like I don't like that, Lee, because you're you're referencing twins, which is a Schwarzenegger vehicle. Stallone would never stand for it. That's true. Stallone wouldn't stand for it. Side note: I did see an interview where how he got involved with "Stop Where My Mom Will Shoot." Is hilarious. Have you heard, have you heard of this story? Uh, quick cool. side note: We're talking slice alone all month. So, uh, yeah, in an interview, in two different interviews, I saw he got conned into doing "Stop or My Mom Will Shoot" because he was in such competition with Schwarzenegger. Because at the time, he hated him. I mean, obviously, it's water on the bridge now. They were both in Expendables together. They they're they're buddies now for crying out loud. But yeah. when in their mid eighties. He's he's like he's not sure how it happened, but somehow they both ended up in this rivalry and and not liking each other because of the rivalry. Well, apparently, he got the script for Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, and he's like, "No, I'm not going to do it." Apparently, is either the producers or his agent or someone said, "Well, wow. Sylvester Stallone is considering taking the film," so he's like, "Oh, well, no, I'm going to take the movie." You mean Schwarzenegger? Schwarzenegger was going to take the film, and yeah, and Stallone said, no, I'll take it, to take it away from Arnold, and he re- he regrets it. He re- he's so... <laughs> but he got conned. He got, he got played. They played the rivalry just so that he could get into Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Now, at what point did they let him know, or, what, or when did he find out? Was it? I assume it was after shooting was wrapped. Yeah. I, I'm guessing it was later. I forgot. He didn't say what time frame when he f- discovered that it was a lie, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he was not happy with that. And yes, well, this is, I'm uh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, and I'm just going to say, yes, we did mention Hudson Hawk, and that is the second most underrated movie of all time. I stand with you on that, Lee. Uh, Hudson Hawk, even if Bruce Willis <laughs> totally ignores that film. Uh, <laughs> uh, there. There was a moment in that foundry scene mm-hmm. where Brigitte Nielsen is being, I'm sorry, Ingrid is being attacked by cheekbones. Yes. Um, and Cobretti comes up to him and he yells, stop. I was, <laughs> I was waiting for him to say, or my mom will shoot. <laughs> what, what, what was interesting about, uh, yeah, we did talk about the foundry scene. I know we're going a little late, but we got to talk about this foundry fight because I'm like, what foundry is this? I've been in foundries and there's there's flames everywhere. Like I'm an like, orange grove. Yeah. I mean, this should be like an orange processing plant, but no, it makes fire. 
It's where they process high C. Oh, I think. <laughs> yeah. They they boil the the they boil everything that's good out of orange juice and then create the high C and box it. <laughs> right. And and they also have part of that process involves giant open you know, vaults of molten acid that are just sitting on the floor. Yeah, and, apparently. One can tangle over that just, you know, constantly travel. That hook was some straight up Hellraiser stuff when he got <laughs> impaled and then sent through the flaming door. <laughs> well, I see Cabretti's report for this. Like, how does he write this up exactly? <laughs> well, we were tussling and I felt scared for my life. So I lifted him up and threw him on a hook. And then I didn't take him off the hook because it was too far away by the time I realized he couldn't get down from the hook. And well, he, couldn't reach. he couldn't reach. He couldn't pull him. So, and he caught fire. It, it was totally <laughs> it was out funny. of my control. <clears throat> the only other time I've seen a hook that big go through someone mm. was in the movie Hellraiser the year after this, which starred Andrew Robinson, who was the asshole cop in this movie. Uh, Malo- What's his name? Malone? Yeah. 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 Like, it's Danny. <laughs> <laughs> It was Daddy, yeah. I, that's what I I was like. Oh, hey, I'm recognizing some other side, you know, actors in here. Um, what got me with the hooks scene was I'm like, okay, I could see if it was a meat hook, but the how big and blunt that that hook actually was, if you look at it, he would have just kind of slid down. I mean, un, unless Sly had like Terminator strength to thrust him on that hook i mean he would have given a big gash and maybe a bruise but to puncture him on that hook those hooks weren't flying that fast (laughs) and i know i'm i'm thinking too hard for an action film called he had power of the cobra inside him ah the power of the cobra yeah yeah he struck the quick strike and then you get that you know scene at the end as he then he gets on a motorcycle because there's the motorcycle with uh ingrid and all i could think of was where their helmets are I'm like wait you got your two stars and why are no they? Helmet requirement no no helmet in mid 80s but also yeah. her legs <laughs> She she tried to get on that motorcycle and she they were bent and they were still like completely covering Stallone's legs. It was the most awkward. Way. I'm like, you made her get on the motorcycle, really? Because that does just not look comfortable at all. <laughs> but yeah, her to look cool. It, it it did look cool, I guess, and. <laughs> Yeah, so there you have it, folks. Cobra, uh, it's a fun action film. It, we're laughing about it. I found entertainment in it, at least for the action scenes. I mean, this is definitely your standard canon action film. But at the same time, if you're looking for something to turn your brain off and just just enjoy some fun with Sylvester Stallone, I think this is worth a watch. Ian, uh, your final thought, do you think this is worth a watch? I do. I mean, and and you both have successfully brought me around. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love the movie, but I, it's got a special place in my heart now. I, I think okay. the next time I watch it, I'll I'll finally get Cobra. Last <laughs> next time he watches it, he'll have a family tree drawing out, and he'll be like, "Okay, he's here, and he's yeah, here." He's here. <laughs> yeah, research, yeah, yeah, scientific 
Science. Watching Cobra for science. Yeah, see how many other action element movies that came after it uh, borrowed from it <laughs> in many ways. Mm-hmm. So the power of the Cobra and the eye of the tiger. Yes, Lee, exactly. Um, <laughs> he almost made himself Manimal, which Sly Stallone is Manimal. Now I want to see that movie. <laughs> We are resurrecting canon we in are, real time. Right we are resurrecting canon. <laughs> you know what would be even better? If we get Orion in on the financing. So it'll be an Orion canon film. Oh. Oh. oh wow. That's heaven. Yeah. That's that's my childhood right there. Yeah. <laughs> Angelique, your final thought with with uh, Cobra. And would you would you say yes, this is a film you would recommend? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This is a you know, nothing going on. Just, hey, you know what? You want to turn off your brain and enjoy something fun? Put on Cobra. Yep. I mean, when you hear people talk about the tropes or the 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 uh, the um, reputation of 80s horror, Gonzo 80s horror, uh, Gonzo 80 action films, uh, mm-hmm. especially not just horror, but Gonzo 80s action films, this is one of the epitome. This is like one of the top shelf ones. This is like... It has it all. And this this has exactly what you're looking for. And the fact that a film like this was wide released is a beautiful thing. I I I miss films like this in all honesty. I really do. And these were kind of a staple in the 80s, not just direct to video, but in your wide release theater. You were getting these crazy action films until Die Hard. The reason Die Hard changed the game was because they actually gave you a villain that was more than one note. You, you, suddenly yeah. were, you know, you think about it up until that time, most of your 80s action films were just like Mr. Cheekbones. They were kind of one. He's crazy. He's greedy. You know, that that's all you needed to know because he's the villain. You don't give a fuck about the villain. You want the hero. That's his name in the title on the poster. He's got the cool glasses holding the <laughs> badass gun, which we did not get enough footage of his gun with the cobra on the handle. I will say that the missed opportunity there uh, should have seen more of that to bring home the idea of Cobra. You know, <laughs> so, they're saving that for the sequel. Yeah, they're saving it for the sequel, which never unfortunately happened. So, uh, as with these special series, uh, we do a something occasionally. We did it last month, and Ian loaded the cannon last month. Uh, but now we have Angelique. So, Angelique. We need to have you load the cannon with a number between 1 and 11. 8. 8. All right, let's load the cannon and see what we get. And number 8 is Alien from L.A. So next month... We will be talking Alien from L.A., a canon group film. So, Should I apologize? Huh? <laughs> Should I apologize? <laughs> no, no. No, no. It, you can blame Ian for picking the really good one right off the bat, you know, so... <laughs> so. so we've we have taken our shot, loaded the cannon, and it hit... Alien from L.A., that is going to be our March film for our Canon Fodder series. So I want to thank my crew members. I want to thank 
both wonderful people who tuned in tonight. Thank you, Lee. Uh, and thank you, Kenneth. And now, as always, this is the moment where I give my crew the license to shill. So, Ian, shill away, please. All right. Um, well, thanks for having me on again. Uh, I'm Ian Simmons. I run Kicking the Seat at kickseat.com, a weekly movie review podcast. I also have a YouTube channel. Uh, look up Kicking the Seat on YouTube. Uh, the I think coolest thing I have going on right now is uh, Friday nights at 8.30 Central. Uh, we're doing a WandaVision recap where we look at the latest episode of WandaVision from uh, Disney+. Plus. Mark has been gracious enough to grace us with his presence in the chat, uh, hanging out and indulging us in our theories and speculations. So it's a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, join us there, too. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, he he had to top my It's Vinally Mine pun with recap. I, I still, I'm like, wow, that's awesome. We <laughs> that can, is brilliant. That is a brilliant, brilliant play on that and mad props for that. Uh, and Miss Angelique, license to shill, the floor is yours. Uh, right now, um, with the things being the way they are, uh, really the only thing uh, we've got going on is uh, at monstersmadisonmagic.com. We have some really great guests coming up. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, all your major podcast networks. You know, we're talking uh, voice actors. We're talking, you know, pioneers of metal and uh, some really cool cats. So lots of exciting things going down over there. Yes. Awesome stuff over there. They're kind enough to allow me occasionally to post something uh, (laughs) as well. So, uh, you know, they let me, they, they, they let, they, they, allow me that corner so <laughs> they're very gracious for that opportunity um and yeah speaking of interviews we actually got an interview dropping this week with the uh filmmaker and the runner of sovhorror.com uh mr Masello. Uh, he's also doing a uh, education series for montclair film uh which is five weeks they're covering five films and it's basically you watch the film on Netflix beforehand, and then you join in a Zoom meeting once a week that's interactive with a, a filmmaker or someone involved with the production of that film that they watch. Oh, wow. And they do a Q&A and explore horror. Um, and so he's doing that. That's in February. People can still register for that at uh, uh, Montclair.org. Uh, Montclair, uh, excuse me. Montclairfilm.org, I believe it is. I'll, I'll put the link will be in the interview, but that's coming up. So, um, yeah, Montclairfilm.org. It's an educational class, and it, yeah, we get to talk to him. We ended up. It was going to be an hour interview. We ended up talking an hour and a half, much like tonight. Uh, so, <laughs> but uh, with that, I think uh, we'll just say a good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Hey, all my friends out there looking for more spoiler room goodness, then why don't you check out our brand new Patreon page, patreon.com slash specialmarkproductions, where you can get access to exclusive spoiler room episodes and a whole lot more. You can also find us on Facebook groups at SMPRD and on the Twitter at SpecialMarkPro. Let your voice be heard and let us know what you would like to see in the spoiler room, as well as just how we're doing in general. We appreciate your support and remember in the spoiler room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies.